0: I'm Becky VV in for Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. It's time for Friday's Weekly News Recap, where we bring you up to speed on the top local stories that you should know but might have missed. Stories like these.
1: The Chicago City Council has given the green light to amending the
2: city's curfew. It's not Armageddon. And with, with due respect... It's offensive and wrong and, and demonstrably false to say that these modest changes are going to increase gun violence. Mayoral candidate
3: Willie Wilson is going to be picking up the tab for some gasoline. Seniors will get discounts.
1: Valley's plans for a $1.7 billion casino in Chicago. Finally, a safe bet with the city council. This afternoon, the mayor joining supporters, calling the vote a major milestone for Chicago.
0: So much to dive into. Here to break it down is our panel, WBEZ Senior Editor for Politics and Government, Angela Rosas O'Toole, Carrie Shepard, lead producer of the podcast CityCast Chicago, and Justin Kaufman, Chicago-based reporter for the news website Axios.
2: Becky Vivi, <laughs> how are you? Congratulations! I know you're leaving the station to go to Beach. I'm Excited for you. Cong- I know. I, I, this is great. Thank it's, you for having me on the air. It's they wild. Are so
0: lucky to have you. It's wild. Um, well, thank you all for joining me. Fun facts: Justin is a former boss. Angela is my current boss. <laughs> Carrie's just a boss. Hey. And we're gonna we're gonna break down all of this week's news, starting with City Council, which is my current beat. Um, Alderman voted yes on bringing a casino to the already bustling River West area Justin mm. this moved kind of fast also very slow if you count the three yeah. decades it took to get yeah, a casino Exactly. exactly. Um, but let's talk a little bit about this process it's she the, just announced the pick in early May and now it's approved
2: it's the opposite of hurry up and wait it's it's wait 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 hurry mm-hmm. uh, I, I mean it's amazing to, to live in Chicago as long as we have and and to know how long it's take to get this casino off the ground it was 2019 where the the Springfield said yes you can have a casino we went through the process of a, of a couple of different spots and they landed on the Bally's Casino in River West right at the Tribune publishing plant this week was um was a lot of hyperbole in city council I'll be honest and you covered it Becky so you know it better than i but uh, a lot of people talking about the process and how how short of amount of time the older older people had uh, they they compared it to the parking meter deal which is is like i mean that's the political idea right. of of yelling fire in a theater uh, in Chicago politics because that is that is uh, synonymous with a terrible awful deal and so when you start saying that, people are paying attention. They're like, what do you mean this is like the parking meter deal? It was uh, Alderman Riley said it was the process. Alderman Hopkins went even further to say, no, the deal is like the parking meter deal. Yeah. We're going to look back on this in, in a couple of years and say, what did we get ourselves into? So I, I'm, I'm, I think we should pay attention to that and make sure. But, it, you know, obviously they rammed it through. And what was it, 40, 43 votes, 43 to 7? And we have a casino in Chicago. It still has to go through the gaming board process. Right. And there's going to be a temporary casino, casino at Medina Temple, which is amazing to me to think about. First, old that Bloomingdale's. was that was an old Bloomingdale's, a, and now it's going to be a casino. casino. There's a lot of uh, consternation about around that, but we'll see. I mean, this is a this is a this is an unprecedented time in Chicago.
0: Carrie, how big of an accomplishment do you think this will be? or Lightfoot as she heads out onto the campaign trail.
1: I think she will like to highlight it as opposed to all the other things that are going on, especially the curfew and violence. Um, You know, I think that I would like to hear from the residents, actually. On CityCast, we asked for people both pro and con. We got a lot to tell us and write in, and we got a lot of con, and I think we got one pro. Um, so there are a lot of promises that have been made and that need to be kept. Something that our host Jacoby Cochran brought up that I thought was a really good point is it's not far from Cabrini Green, mm-hmm. where right. promises were made decades ago to residents there and were broken, frankly. So that's something we're going to be watching is how it's going to affect the people there. And I mean, honestly, I hate to be this person. I think I'm getting old, but traffic its going <laughs> to make traffic terrible around there. We were just talking about it, like how you're going to get across the, you know, the un- river. There, yeah, yeah, and the bridge in Chicago and Halstead. is such a so. Well, it will, you know, will be remain to be seen. I know my commute
0: is down Granite Avenue and yep. still will be in my new job. And <laughs> there's a now there's a casino kind of plopped down right in the middle. Um, the city is projecting that the casino will generate eventually two hundred million dollars in annual tax revenue. Um, Angela, they are talking about this as a pension solution. Is this going to solve our pension problem?
3: It will not, Becky. <laughs> You reported it yourself in an excellent story on WBz. Um, you know, this is a drop in the bucket. It's two billion dollars is what we're really looking at and need. and this is this is not the panacea. Um, you know, it's it's less than ten percent of the overall need. Um, for some, they're like, great. It's a dedicated fund source, something we haven't had toward fire and police pension in a really like ever. So that's that's a plus, but it's not nearly enough. As you reported, um, there are aldermen saying, we're still going to be coming back here to try to figure out how to pay for this over time, how to pay for pensions. The pension problem is real. It's big. It's huge. The casino is, is a is a part of that solution for the mayor. But this is a long-term problem that the city is facing, and this is not going to solve it. Mm -hmm.
0: Now, it was a 41 to 7 vote. There were a few critics of the mayor's casino proposal. Mm -hmm. Let's listen to a heated exchange between Lightfoot and 25th Ward Alderman Byron Sigcho Lopez.
3: We asked for a plan, Mayor Lightfoot, a plan to address that issue. That's what we need to hear from you. Not a plan that is going to be discussed after
2: the fact. You are out of order and you Not are lying. Almost every word that comes out of your mouth after you say your name is a lie. Mm.
0: Carrie, what do you make
1: of that? Oh Well, <laughs> fighting words, I guess. Um, I What was he referring to the top with the this? Which, what was the, this specifically? He, what? Yeah,
0: so he was
1: he was arguing that that it was moving too quickly and that
0: that she was more concerned with getting, I guess, getting this ready for her campaign and her campaign mm-hmm. donations than, yeah. than actually getting a good deal for the taxpayers and a plan in place um
1: fair criticism but he probably. and her
0: you know do not get well,
2: he's, his, along. he was, he was the older person till the the ward remap that would have been the older person for the 78 right. which uh, he he railed against when that was one of the the proposals the the only I'll I'll I'll, I'll play devil's advocate for the mayor in this case this is not, it, it's surprising to me that there's so much uh, kerfuffle around this because we knew it was coming. And you knew, th- I mean, there has been an open public policy. There have been public uh, uh, meetings on all the different finalists. She picked a finalist. She said, let's go. So to hear uh, Alderman Citroen-Lopez and others kind of railing on how quick the process is, this process has been going on for a while. So it does seem a little grandstanding in the way that, and I think that's what you hear in all, uh, Mayor Lightfoot's voice there, that this is more about you know getting played on WBEZ than actually uh, you know, having a problem with what's going on in city council.
1: Yeah, but mm-hmm. how much of those public forums and how much of the community's input really goes into the plan? I mean, those right. are pretty pomp pompous yeah, but uh, but, often. The, but the
2: public the public opinion didn't is isn't necessarily going to sway one way or another the numbers and everything this is this is a this was decided in Springfield in 2019, there was going to be a casino in Chicago. This is the process has gone out for three years to get there. So it's not new. It's not like this was decided six months ago, and she's railing it down. I mean, this is something that has been thought about in Chicago for three years.
0: Yeah. And it's more kind of about the location. Well, let's pivot to another controversial topic that happened at city council. Um, The city council voted 30 to 19 to approve an earlier curfew for minors on the weekend. Uh, Let's listen to what 35th Ward Alderman Carlos Ramirez Rosa had to say.
2: It's clear. Expanding teen curfew leads to an increase in gun violence. A vote for this ordinance is a vote to increase gun violence.
0: So Alderman Ramirez-Rosa and most of the city council's progressive caucus voted against that curfew. Carrie, can you break down why there's opposition here?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that justifiably uh, people think this is going to target black and brown youth, um, as some of these policies often do. You know, there was a heated exchange between the mayor and your colleague, uh, Mariah Wolfell, about, you know, where how is this going to be enforced? And she, the mayor didn't have answers, and it didn't seem like you know, she had really conferred much with CPD. I was at Millennium Park yesterday in the morning, uh, like 10, mm. and I had to get the, the... Did they wand you? The wand down. Oh, interesting. Yeah, interesting. And I'm just, like, was picturing a scene of evening, tourists, tons of people, the chaos. I don't know that anyone's going to be like, yeah. wait, it's 10 o'clock, I got to go home, you right. know? So I... I think that the the progressive caucus's concerns are fair. Right. So this
0: morning the the mayor even held a press conference to talk about a little bit about, you know, that the the entire city Teens, no matter their race, should be welcome everywhere in the city. It's their city, too. But it doesn't negate the fact that this was this change was passed. So the change is essentially 10 p.m. now, um, anyone under 18. There's also a change, Angela, to Millennium Park's rules and regulations, as Carrie alluded to. Could you break down what those rules are? I know uh, Mariah
3: yeah, kind of reported I, on this. I think it's the there's a six p.m. curfew, which is a demonstrative difference for youth um, in the city's crown jewel, park. Um, I, I think what we're facing here is a is a huge conundrum of of concern for everybody. Uh, kids need a place to go, and these are kids who in their own communities have a lack of investment mm-hmm. for after school, for where to be on the weekends, for available places to go. And it's you know a lot of kids come downtown because there's stuff to do here. Mm-hmm. Um, the The conundrum the city is facing is the the, the question of large groups of mm-hmm. kids uh, getting together. You know, when, uh, what what they are, what they have available to do, and then this question of if they're going to get into 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 trouble essentially. Mm-hmm. But the the question I think that it comes keeps coming back to and I know we're going to talk about this but is it's is this a policing issue or is this a resources issue is this a, a kid problem or is it you know how do you solve problems that are so massive in this city of of having things available for youth to go to to stay out of trouble and is that a policing issue or is it a community issue mm-hmm. and I don't think we have figured that out we know the city provides a lot of resources but there's a lot of people right now saying there should be more. Mm-hmm. There should be more resources. We shouldn't be meeting these kids downtown with an army of police. We should be meeting them downtown with an army of helpers, mm-hmm. people from different organizations who could come in and provide activities to do. But I mean, that what happens at 11 o'clock for those activities? That's a good question. Mm-hmm. It's time for kids to go home.
0: Also this week brought horrible shooting in Uvalde, Texas. Uh, It brought renewed attention to teen mental health. Mm -hmm. Um, Justin, I know Axios covered this. The CDC recently reported that 44 percent of high school students felt sad or hopeless during the past year. Did those numbers as a parent, too, surprise Mm -hmm.
2: you? You know, it doesn't. I mean, it's such an emotional time in America right now. I mean, that the this school shooting has resonated, uh, and 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 not not to diminish any other school shootings. I mean, because it's happened before, but it it has united people around the fact that there is something happening um, with our young people. Both the shooters, uh, the shooter in Uvalde, and even the shooter in Buffalo, were 18 years old, and you start to think about where they've been in the last year or two during the pandemic, and, and what what has changed in their lives uh, that has has attributed to to mental illness and and you know, pushed them towards this action. Yeah, it's it's something that is is you know we've talked about generally this idea of what's going to happen to the kids uh, when when they get out of we done with this pandemic and you know there's the effect of what happened when these kids had to be in their bedrooms doing school and 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 how they interact now uh, you know and the, and the and the all the things they're missing in their lives and their young lives like from from big things uh, like graduations or or dances or whatever and smaller things like that. I think it's, a, it's a, a real big issue and something we have to pay attention to. I, I think for me in Chicago, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see Chicago public schools put uh, some effort into mm-hmm. this. They mm-hmm. put their mental health uh, plan, their safety plan together. There's a couple of other uh, op- opportunity, or people that are, that are putting together mental health t- kits, um, trying to make it like uh, for adults to recognize mental health issues in the, the teens that they see, uh, uh, whether they, they, they want it to be as synonymous as a first aid kit. You have a first aid kit for Band-Aids and you have a mental health kit that uh, helps people with depression. So uh, it's great to see that that stuff is starting to bubble up and be uh, at least somewhat properly resourced in the schools.
0: Right. Now, after the Tuesday event, Texas Governor Greg Abbott took aim at Mm. Chicago, Mm. um, citing crime here as an evidence that gun regulations apparently don't work. Here's him.
2: There
1: are more people who were shot every weekend in Chicago than there are in schools in Texas,
0: Carrie, how'd that go over
1: I with mean, the mayor and the governor? Here, You're ready
2: for a lot of that today too, because the NRA is meeting today I know, and they're starting in that. Houston, There's going to be a lot of Chicago Houston. reference in. Houston. I mean,
1: uh, it infuriated me. I mean, after all the sadness and the tears and you know, then the pit in your stomach after that tragedy, it's not just like keep Chicago out of your mouth. He should do that too. But <laughs> who does that serve to say to make that analogy? That's not helping that's not helping anyone it's not helping the parents of dead kids in texas and it's not helping the parents of dead kids in chicago. chicago and i would say that that's a big the mental health issue is a big point for the republicans who refuse to confront any conversation about gun control and the issue is like when you say this wasn't a gun issue this was is a mental health issue either side of a kid who has a mental illness or mental health disorder if a gun's in the picture, either side loses. Right. He loses, self-inflicted gun t- was suicide, or, you know, the school loses. So I think that it's cowardly. Mm-hmm. I think it's extremely cowardly. Mm-hmm. And we
0: we also want to be very clear that, you know, the victims in this scenario are the children that, that were um, killed in their classrooms. Um, Governor
2: uh, Abbott's trying to run for president. Yeah. And and he's getting ready, and you can tell. And this is a, you know, he's in the center stage. He doesn't want to be right now uh, over this issue. But you're going to see a lot more of, of Chicago. It's a it's playbook. It's a yeah, playbook yeah, for the for yeah. the national GOP to talk about Chicago.
0: We're going to get to that. We're going to get to all that politics and campaigning in just a second. OK, so far we've talked about the city council approving a casino and a curfew, but there's still a lot more to discuss.
2: Chicago street violence was at the center tonight of two broadcast forums featuring the six Republican candidates for governor.
1: Three participated in one forum, with three others at another TV station. For the first time in Chicago, workers at two Starbucks locations have voted in favor of unionizing.
2: Josh Donaldson is in some hot water for making a comment to an opposing player that he deemed a joke, but others, like White Sox manager Tony La Russa, called racist.
0: So, I want to get into uh, this week... Businessman and mayoral candidate Willie Wilson at it again, handing out twenty-five dollar grocery gift cards. People lined up to fill their cars with Wilson's two-dollar gallon gas as well. Justin, what is this uh, publicity mm. he's doing from all these giveaways? And is it going to pay it's, off for it, him come election? Time? I don't know if
2: it'll pay off, but it's great publicity. But it's but it's also a it's somewhat of a service. Uh, I, I you know I know that it's easy for us to kind of you know, say, oh, well, a Willie's doing Willie. But the, you know, he is giving away millions of dollars in gas and groceries. And and, and it, I think it, it says something about society and where we're at right now that there is lines around the block for it. I mean, it's, it's something that he's tapped into uh, mm-hmm. that people are hurting. Now, I do question, you know, when you're not a mayoral candidate, when you're just a businessman, you're giving away a million dollars. That's cool. You can do that. that. I think that's great. There's yeah. other ways to use that money than at the gas pump. But that's his prerogative. When you become a mayor, official mayoral candidate, you wonder about conflicts so or whether yeah. or not you're buying votes. He had that problem last election where he's handing out actual $100 bills actual at, the, cash at, at the, church. the churches. That was, that was amazing. And, and each time it happens, people bring it, It's mostly the media that brings it up, and then it really doesn't go anywhere. But mm-hmm. I wonder. I, I, I don't know if you can give away free stuff. You know, monet, with monetary value when you're running for public office. But I don't, I'm, you know what? I'm not the board of elections, so go willy. <laughs>
0: well, and that's not until February of next year. So we are, though, one month from the Illinois primary. Tuesday night, we finally got all six Republican gubernatorial candidates on a debate stage. Problem is, they were actually on different stages that's at weird. different <laughs> TV stations angela, any idea how we ended up with w m a q and w g n both hosting
3: these debates an hour apart i i don 't produce for them um, <laughs> you don't <laughs> i don't uh, my hats that i wear, but uh it is quite an interesting evening um watching the two different debates. You're, you're two front runners, at least financially um, and word of mouth. You have Richard Irvin, Aurora, Aurora's mayor, and you have um, Senator Darren Bailey from downstate on two different stages. Um, this has been, everybody's been waiting for Irvin to get out there. Um, and and face the public and face his competitors. Uh, He did it, just only half of them. Um, The the questions that came up were pretty uh, red meat territory. We talked about FOID. Uh, Everybody wants to get rid of them, Uh, the FOID, which is the identification card required for uh, owning a gun in Illinois. Um, A little bit of talk about abortion, although less uh, demonstrative yeses and nos to that question. Mm -hmm. Um, but, I, I mean, I think what we're really seeing is um, Richard Irvin is trying to face criticism that he hasn't been out there enough, hasn't been public enough. Right. Um, so he's going out there on stage and doing and doing uh, a forum, not a debate, as they say, for something like this. But, I mean, it's still, for for all intents and purposes, for the money that's being raised, the millions that are being poured into ads and campaigns. Um, Pritzker just had an ad this past week um, put out against um, uh, Richard Irvin, and it, th- there's a lot of money being poured into this campaign. And then, of course, Pritzer's campaign will have a lot of money poured into it as mm-hmm. well. Right. So, I mean, you're still facing two front runners, though. This this race, while the other guys are on the stage with them, it's still it's still really uh, – and it's still pretty close in terms mm-hmm. of at least the only polling that we've seen, which came from WGN a couple weeks ago, they were within the margin of error. Um, so there's you can't really count, as lots of folks are saying around here – you can't really count Darren Bailey out. He right. represents mm-hmm. a big voice of conservatism in the state.
0: Uh, speaking of Darren Bailey, he's a Republican candidate, and he has some choice words for Chicago in the
2: WGN b- oh, debate. Yeah, so it.
0: let's take a listen.
2: <laughs> let's think about Chicago, a crime-ridden, corrupt, dysfunctional hellhole. Justin, no, no. Should,
0: we, should we assume I mean, he's not I, hoping to get any Chicago votes? I am.
2: I mean, I mean. I see the the strategy with Governor Pritzker trying to put ads against Richard Irvin because, you know, he would love to take on Senator Bailey love just to take him on <laughs> just because the fact I mean, I can't believe that you are running it's one thing to be a downstate senator in a state senate and try to bring home the bacon for your part of the, the and divide and conquer the state and say that Chicago uh, Chicago's a hellhole, bring the money down to downstate. But it is another when you are going to run to represent the state of Illinois, which has a monster city, one of the biggest in our country, as the economic generator. And you're going to call it a hellhole in a debate. You're out. You should be disqualified for that. I, I, I mean, there's part of me that's just like I, that divide and conquer style. If that's coming from Trump and that's out of state and that's the national GOP playbook, fine. But this is in state. You're not allowed to do that. I, could you imagine a Chicago Democrat saying, you know what? Uh, oh, man, I, you know, Peoria, hellhole. They right. would lose so, their mind.
3: Think, I want to jump in here, Justin. He's not running right now for the state of Illinois. He's, He's running, running for, for GOP the GOP primary. primary. Yeah. Yeah. He's got to get through there first before he turns to the rest of the state. And uh, But you, you were right. There's a word here, unifying. Unifying. He's not running as a unifying candidate. He's run, running as an alternative candidate. He's running for sure. He's looking potentially, I would imagine, for Trump's support here. He's using a lot of words that Trump himself have yeah. used about the city of Chicago, about the state. But he is running toward a base that he needs to, to come out and vote for him. He's running for Republican primary. right? The Fall is a long way away for a candidate. Right now, he's got to get through June 28th. And And he's speaking to, he's also potentially speaking to Cook County and suburban county residents who also may have their own opinions about Chicago and what's going on here, right? I also
2: think it's coded language. Let me straight up. Absolutely. It's coded language. Uh, Darren Bailey knows who he's, like you said, he knows who he's talking talking to and he knows who he's talking about. What do you you want to say, Darren? Why don't you just say it? And the thing that, that gets me riled up as a Chicagoan is, it, and I roll into the studio right here, uh, Navy Pier, to, to get ready for this segment. This is one of the most beautiful, um, uh, just thriving cities in this country, if not the world, during a pandemic. And for Darren Bailey to say something like that was such uh, uh, just dripping with negativity and hate. It, it's just, it's too much for me to, It's it goes beyond the hyper, hyperbolic style of politics today. It goes beyond it. I'm not a fan.
1: And just a couple of weeks ago, the pandering of, you know, Justin and I were talking about this. He was doing press conferences here in Chicago, and, you know, it was brought up that he had once said Chicago should break off from the rest of the right. state. You know, and he's like, my wife and i walk Michigan Avenue, and we, you know, we go to the restaurants, and <laughs> hey, we like Chicago. Right. And then boom, says that. At yeah. least he had a— At least he had a headline, Irvin. It would be hard to write a write a headline out of of the debate, yeah, that Irvin was in, yeah, because he wouldn't even give Marianne Ahern a yes or no in the, you know, the on anything really.
0: Carrie, I mean, did we learn? I mean, do you feel like we learned anything of substance about, you know, Irvin could be the front runner. He could be, you know, again, Bailey or Irvin. They both are out there. But
1: are we learning anything of substance about these candidates? I mean, I learned a lot. About Irvin in Aurora, mm-hmm. um, I learned that he doesn't know if January 6 was an insurrection. He's got to, I guess, go back to the constitutional law books on that. Um, and yeah, no, I didn't really. I mean, like Angela said, you know, the Democratic Governors Association, you know, would love for Pritzker to go against. It go against Bailey in the general. Yes, you have to get out of the primary, but like right now, there is this weird competition to be the most conservative, and one of the front runners will not answer if he voted for Trump. He right. refuses very to bizarre. answer it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very bizarre. Well,
2: that's this, the Angela's point about the GOP primary. Yeah. I mean, the the, the commercials that Darren Bailey are playing right now about. Uh, showing the text messages and, and uh, referencing WTTW's story about uh, whether he's an idiot or Trump's in, whatever Richard Irvin texted. I mean, you could see it. You're absolutely right about this. He's playing directly to Trump voters. Uh, that's the only that's the only voter that Darren Bailey is playing to. In the commercials, in the debates, whatever it might be, that's who he's trying to win this uh, primary through.
0: Uh, I want to shift gears a little bit. Angela, we learned this week that federal agents recorded ex-House Speaker Michael Madigan in 2018 discussing secret payments to a political ally. What is the significance here?
3: Um, yeah, I mean, I think some of this is um understood, mm-hmm. i guess in the past um the secrets about Michael Madigan's alleged involvement in in the patronage army is like the the most known and covered and prepared and most open secret. Most, most open, open secret, secret yeah. um but but you know he doesn't get the the nickname the velvet hammer for no reason. What we've never heard but suspected was was that there was audio that mm-hmm. there was tape of him being closer to this um alleged um, uh, uh, um cr- criminal activity than we ever thought so you know, the, the feds are, are, are th- this is, you know, in some ways, this is still a political story. We talk about this a lot to understand how politics have worked under Michael Madigan's rule over the past few decades. But it's really now also a criminal story. So as as the feds are laying out years long, potentially, mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, evidence that they have gathered, it is fascinating for a lot of us who've, who've watched this and written about this and guessed about this to start to see actual allegations come into print, to actually hear it, to see it, to read it. Um, it gives a different vibe and it gives a different message. It is necessary for the government to start providing this information mm-hmm. through um, through discovery, um, but it, it is um, revealing, I guess you could say. And, and it's, it's, go ahead, it's also, go ahead, Angela, it's,
2: it's contradictory. Right. More than anything, what Mike Madigan has said, and this is, all goes back to the sexual harassment claims against Elena, Hampt- Elena Hampton did right. against Kevin Quinn, and Kevin Quinn was kicked out, and, and, and Mike Madigan said, I don't know anything about this. Right, he went right. out in front and said, I don't know anything about this. And then uh, when it was revealed that uh, they were working behind the scenes to get him money uh, through ComEd and other places, Mike Madigan was like, I know nothing about this. I, have no- I don't know anything. And now this tape is about Mike McLean talking to, to Mike Madigan about, about it. it. Mm-hmm. And that's the part where you're like, well, you did a lot of dancing in the public to say that you denied any culpability, that you didn't know anything about this. And the tapes say otherwise. And that's not good for Mike Madigan because he has up to this point been able to say publicly from his defense and whatever – you know I don't know anything about people what people were doing behind closed doors that's not mine that you know I had nothing to do with that now the tape says otherwise
0: right shifting gears a little bit we have workers at two Starbucks on the north side in the Edgewater neighborhood who have voted to join a union the first in Chicago to do so Carrie let's talk a little bit about this organizing and sort of the labor movement in in Chicago right now
1: yeah the labor experts that we've talked to on CityCast and workers in hospitality and service industry say that the pandemic was really The breaking point in that these, you know, they're they're at Starbucks, they're considered essential workers, and they have to go into work. We all got to work at home. I mean, our engineers here at WBEZ don't, but there are safety protocols here, right? And there's testing and there's a system. And they, as part of the sort of quote unquote great resignation, they were like, What do I have to lose, you know? And this ties into, I think you're going to get into this a little bit, but you know, the workers. Not officially unionizing, but El Milagro. El Milagro, yeah, Yeah, because, I mean, a worker there, who he's worked there for almost 20 years that we talked to this week. You know, he said that people next to him were, I mean, getting COVID left and right. Right. And there wasn't in the heat. And it was like there wasn't a drinking fountain. And, you know, they don't have Sundays off. And, you know, so they get like a quarter raise You know, a year or something. And El Milagro did recognize some of their some of their um, organizing, which isn't officially a union, but workers committees, which is kind of like union light. But the Starbucks workers, I know that in the suburbs, one suburb, they did vote to unionize another. They they didn't. Um, I say, yeah. Good for them. You know, they're working sometimes, often, probably more than 40 hours a week. People were quitting left and right, leaving. We all saw those signs on restaurants that were like, I can't, I don't have, I don't have people today. I I can't open. So, you know, that falls on other workers who are like, I can't, I cannot quit my job. I need this job. Right.
0: This weekend, kickoff to summer, Memorial Day weekend, city beaches officially open today. Just in time, while well, it's raining now, but it's supposed to be mm-hmm. ninety degree temps this weekend. However, the city is still looking for lifeguards. Angela,
3: yeah, and pools
0: some... and beaches are. What are yeah. we? What are we going to see with like lifeguard jobs?
3: What a big question. Uh, it's a huge question, and the park district keeps saying we've got enough lifeguards to open up the beaches. We probably have enough to open up the pools, but. Um, Lots of questions about that. Uh, Dan Maylopoulos has been writing about the problem at the Lifeguard, um, in the Lifeguard program and allegations of sexual assault going on years. Huge turnover uh, at the Park District Because of those, the revelations in those stories, uh, almost everybody is is gone, and they are they've got uh, they've they're trying to recruit. They're trying to offer extra money to get lifeguards signing bonuses, five hundred dollars. And it's a huge question for people Mm -hmm. to you know are there protections in place for lifeguards who are trying to come to work? Will they have enough people to to open up the pools? um, huge question for, for, for youth this year. Mm-hmm. Um, block club did a great story looking at this issue because it's a, it's a, a place where kids can go, um, in the summertime, everybody wants to go to a pool. So it's a big question about whether they're going to have enough staff and, um, you know, the pools are supposed to open in about a month. So we're just going to have to, to wait and see, but, um, it's, it's an issue around yeah, right? we
2: we them because Monica Ang, who's my partner at Axios of course WBEC as well. Yeah. They were hundreds short on the on the applications not a week ago. Yeah. So, They're still I mean, touting it. Yeah. I mean There's going to be an issue about whether or not pools—I think it's going to be they're going to transfer to the beaches, and then there's going to be a lot of pools that you used to be able to go to that won't be open. I mean, to be
3: fair, this has been a national issue. This was happening last year. There were pools closing last year um, because of COVID, so it's not isolated to the Chicago Park District, but I think it's still a huge problem.
1: We can't have a conversation about, like, telling kids they can't go to this crown jewel, Millennium Park crown jewel for whom But also we're going to close all the pools. But then we're going to close pools and, you know, not give you maybe access to the parks. Like, we can't ignore that— those conversations are happening simultaneously and it is the park district but that's still the city Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. and you know that was a big topic that Lightfoot talked about this morning at
0: the park that they're trying to find ways to get kids resources and advertise those resources That's it for the weekly news recap, whether it's state or city politics or COVID updates. Remember, you can depend on us to give you the latest news to help keep you informed. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend.